Hello and happy Friday to everybody. Welcome into the PHLY Phillies podcast on this absolutely fake week of the year where some people pretend to work, other people just go, fuck this, mail it in. Let's circle back in the new year, shall we? Um, so it is kind of like this fake week of like work, not work, super long weekend, great time of the year, holidays, etc. You just said something that brought back like circle back. my eight months of <laughs> corporate work in between my two media jobs. Every time I would see let's circle back or hear let's circle back, it would make me want to launch my laptop like down the hallway. <laughs> Literally the most like me and Julia were talking about this yesterday. Corporate, corporate lingo, lingo. Oh, is a joke because everything is so like decipherable yeah and it's behind your back and it's like very grade school mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it like just I, following up again i hope this finds hey, you well bitch, get back to me i hope this email finds you well well no it, <laughs> thanks for asking because life is miserable like, like what uh so shout out to eugene Krabs, first one here in the chat and he did notice right away i am sitting here with the cake eater uh, Charlie Con. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Adam Banks, Banks is the cake eater. Charlie Conway is. I wear this. I wear the C. Yes, that's right. I'm sorry. I thought you were wearing the Banks jersey I, I, get, for a second. Put, lay down my jersey so Banks <laughs> could play. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes, Tyler Renee is enjoying the the long holiday weekend as it is New Year's. Uh, and New Year's always brings about resolutions and goals and this and that. Uh, and Tyler, you had the idea since it's the last show of the year here. Let's get into kind of our. I don't know if you want to call them bold predictions, but something you you believe about this Phillies team. Uh, and we're going to bring in John Foley here in a second, who's with us uh, to broach this subject. And I think it's a it's a very apt one for the date. Yeah. Before we uh, we chat with John, I think people see the phrase like bold prediction and they assume it has to be yeah, a hot take. A hot take. <laughs> yeah, no. And I don't think the two have to go hand in hand no. as like a pair because. Like when you say bold, it doesn't necessarily have to be off the wall. Do you even believe this? Like, you know, quintessential, no disrespect, but like the quintessential, like, let's drive the phones type yeah. of conversation. 610. Where like a bold take or a bold statement could just be something that didn't happen last year. Yeah, that you that believe. could happen this year that you believe. Yeah. So I think that that differentiator is key for this conversation because I don't want people to just immediately go, well, um, I, Christopher Sanchez is winning Cy Young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like that's like, yeah. would it be great? Yeah. It'd be awesome. But you know what I mean? You guys are just doing a sports talk radio thing. Right. Well, exactly. we're not. We're actually having a fun discussion. And shout out Dave Dewar, second here in the in the chat. So let's bring him in. Uh, our buddy, John Foley, who covers the Phillies for us. Uh, he's on Twitter at 2008Phils with a Z. Joins us. John, how was your holiday and the, the trip up to see the Rockettes with the little one, Christmas and all that? I hope it was a great week for the fam. Uh, it, was, it was terrific. It was amazing. Um, New York City at Christmas time. Uh, so much to do. Uh, just the only, the only downside is the crowds, crushing crowds yeah. anywhere you go. But that's to be expected. So. Well, good. I'm glad you enjoyed some time with the family. As you just heard, uh, we're going to start here with our, our bold prediction, for lack of a better word for this, uh, of 2024 for your Philadelphia Phillies, because the next time we do the show, it'll be next year. <laughs> um, so I'll start. You just hurt Renee's feelings so bad. <laughs> I, I will kick us off, uh, and then we'll go to Tyler's, and then John will get yours. Uh, I think if it wasn't for an injury this year, it could have happened this year year uh but i think the bullpen 
staggered injuries at different times between Sir Anthony and Jose and the yada, yada, yada. Um, and Craig Kimbrell was like your, your steadying force there for a long portion of the year. But I thought Jose Alvarado was absolutely on a trajectory. And the Phillies are never going to have probably a true closer per se. But my prediction for 2024 is that Jose Alvarado is going to become one of the premier I'll call them high leverage relief pitchers in the National League. Um, I think this guy has figured out how to pitch. I think he's got overwhelming, overpowering stuff. And I and I think um, with the lack of a you know major closer upgrade, I think that tells you they believe that guy's in house. I think it's Jose Alvarado. I think they might possibly add a right-handed compliment to him for those high leverage spots, uh, a la the Kimbrel role. But I absolutely think. At the end of the year, when you look at ERA, WHIP, you know all the major pitching categories for relievers, uh, I, I think Jose Alvarado is going to be one of the tops in the NL. Yeah, and I think Jamie, that that's—I don't even know how bold that is, just I, based yeah. on the numbers. Like you're right, there's probably not a de facto closer. Rob Thompson, yeah, I think he really stresses the high leverage outs. And you and I talked about that a lot during the postseason run. I know John has talked about that quite a bit as well, where like it doesn't necessarily have to be closer or ninth inning guy. It's high leverage guy in a specific spot. And you saw Jeff Hoffman get used. Sure. Jose Alvarado get used. I know Craig Kimbrell was the closer per se, but Alvarado's numbers the last three years have all gone in the right direction for the most part. Uh, the walk rate has gone down. His first year in Philly, remember, he was sent down to AAA at one yeah. point, uh, was 18%, almost 19%. 2022, he was much better. It was down to 11. Last year, it was down to under 11 at 10 and a half. The home run rate has been fairly consistent. He was 2% three years ago. He was 1.7 last year. La- or, uh, this past season, 2022, he was really, really good. But the strikeout rate for his career is 30%. True. He was at 38 and 37 in the last two seasons. He's figured something out. And because of that, the whip has gone down. The walks have gone down. The quality of pitch selection has been able to go up because he's not just a thrower anymore. Yeah, he figured out pitching. Yeah. And I I really believe... Uh, he's going to be one of the premier bullpen arms in the National League, if not all of baseball this year. You know, the injuries uh, robbed him a little bit. Uh, so, Tyler, what is your yeah, bold so prediction? I guess uh, I'll, I'll go a little bit further. I think yours is a little more bold than Yours mine. is like... Um, Safe-ish. Yeah, yours is kind of a mild sauce. Yeah. Mine's a little bit more... I wouldn't call it hot, but... Your habanero. I talked Maybe about a little ghost pepper in there. I talked about Brandon Marsh with Renee and Devon on Tuesday of the show. And one of my expectations for Brandon Marsh in 2024 is for him to get more consistent at bats against left-handed pitching. And now granted, the only way that he gets more consistent at bats against left-handed pitching is that he doesn't strike out against left-handed pitching as much as he did in 2020, uh, 2023 with 43 strikeouts and 96 at bats. And the splits are evident, right? He's a 292 hitter against le- uh, right. He's a 229 hitter against lefties. If Brandon Marsh can get his 229 up to uh, 255 against lefties, I'm not asking for 300, mm-hmm. but he gets it up to like a 250, 255 range and the strikeouts go down from nearly, you know, 45% to like 35%. Brandon Mars is conceivably like a 280, 285 type of hitter, of, you know, from both sides of the plate because he was at 277 for the season last year. He gets that to 285, 290. 
I think Brandon Marsh has himself a near all-star level caliber 2024. Yeah, I think he took a lot of strides, and and John, you can chime in on this as well. I think offensively, when you look at um, you know the hitting coach last year uh, and the young players, you know Brandon Marsh is absolutely one of those guys. Christian Pache's in there, Bryson Stotts in there, uh, working with Kevin Long. I think they all took some like pretty long strides offensively in their batting um, approach. So I, I absolutely see Brandon Marsh getting better, and I think the lack of an added outfielder to this point tells you that they probably believe he has another gear left in him now john i'm sure you have multiple pictures of this somewhere of brandon marsh because your photoshop skills have been (laughs) off the charts awesome lately there is a there is just an image burned in the back of my brain of brandon marsh of like a breaking ball down towards the back foot where he is like I don't know, doing a split karate chopping in between. And and it's just like he's so out of whack because it was, you know, a a changeup or a a sinker or some kind of, you know, a splitter down at the the back foot, which is where lefties want to sit against the left-handed hitter who they know can't turn on them. Um, You know, they don't want to let it out over the plate. That image is burned in my brain, and I think that image is going to slowly start to fade away in 2024 because of what we saw a little bit of an upswing towards the the back end of last year's regular season and into the playoffs where you know like they realized this can't be a this can't be a split this has to be Brandon Marsh's position to run with whether it's left field or center field I think it's gonna be left I think that you've got a guy who if he becomes serviceable against lefties and hits as well as he did against righties that's a 280 285 290 type of hitter over the course of instead of 300 and uh, 404 at bats probably getting closer to the 500 range yeah and if you can up those home runs a little bit and get close to that 20 range yeah i'm not sure the power ever i gets don't to think that so point. either but I, if he really could get to that 20 range like he is you know an everyday outfielder i think 15 is probably his probably max. but the, if the strikeout rate comes down the RBI rate might go up. Sure. And you saw that with Bohm this year. Right. The RBI skyrocketed. Power didn't necessarily increase. Uh, John, your thoughts on Brandon Marsh? Because uh, Tyler's is much bolder than mine. As MBD points out in the chat, I'm basically a coward for my bold <laughs> prediction, uh, which is fair. Uh, but, John, what are your thoughts on Brandon Marsh uh, upping his game another level? Yeah, I mean, first of all, what a find Brandon Marsh was yeah. for the organization. You know, the, the expectations when when he arrived were not not for him to be to even be the caliber of player he was last season. I mean, you were looking at, all right, we need to improve defense. He he's a glove out there. He can uh, cover a lot of ground. I don't <laughs> to be sitting here now and having a, a, a reasonable conversation about what how how good he might be and throwing around some of these numbers is is incredible now can he do it i don't know i I follow the logic i think um yeah you just you know you you do you put in more work against lefties um i do know at the winter meetings rob thompson expressed uh confidence in marsh's ability to hit lefties so i would expect to see some improvement there i mean he seems to work well with kevin long um you know, improving upon those numbers he had uh, with the Angels before before he got here. So hopefully, there's there's more room for improvement. He seems like a guy who works tirelessly uh, to to improve. Now, all that said, moving from 229 versus lefties to 255 versus lefties, that's a that's a tough task. It's a hefty jump, um, no doubt. 
yeah, yeah, it's a hefty jump, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. So I think, I think this is good in terms of bold, but uh, entirely realistic. And I mean, if he can, if he can make that jump, and uh, Rojas uh, can be serviceable at the plate, yoked Johan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And based on based on these pictures, I mean, I'm expecting 30 home runs next year. All the time. yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, one last year. Uh, but yeah, but now now you've really got something going. If, if you're playing Rojas every day in center, Marsh every day in left, and um, you know, I think Marsh on to to that point, John. I think Marsh is the guy that like if he does take like the next step in his career offensively, I think he's almost like the biggest game changer for this lineup because most other guys are already kind of like maxed out like Bryson Stott. Is he going to get better? Yeah, he can, but it's going to be like a slight improvement because he was so good this year. Harper Turner Bohm kind of took that step this year a little bit. Uh, you know, Castellanos, all those guys are kind of like capped out. You yeah, know what I mean? So, like they're all at their level. So if if Marsh Marsh is one of those guys that has a next gear available to him. So I I, uh, I failed calculus in high school. So hopefully these this this analogy makes sense. I don't know, oh, is, John. You might be better at math than 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 me and and Jamie. I've, but, I've been on a week long bender. Um, math is so not. Like, I don't I don't know if it's I don't know if it's like the bell curve or like <laughs> I don't know like what what the exponential rise of of Brandon Marsh is. But like go back to twenty twenty two. 60 games, uh, 60 games played against left-handed pitching, 96 at-bats. Same amount of at-bats in 2023 over the course of 72 games, which is a little strange. But um, the strikeout rate was effectively the same, but the average went up from 188 to 229. So that's a 40-point jump. Expecting another 40-point jump is is crazy. Like Because it, it's, it's a lot easier to go from 188 to 229 than it is to go from 229 to 269. Right. But if you can right. go from two two twenty nine, maybe maybe two fifty five was a little much. But if you can get to two forty five, forty two forty five, you get up to a uh, you know an eleven point jump to a fifteen point jump. Yeah, maybe that's a little bit more realistic, and it still bolsters a guy who hit two ninety against righties last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I th- I think it's entirely within the the realm of reason. I mean, the the counter argument would be he showed all that improvement. If anything, he may be due to regress against lefties, um, but that's not how it sounds from within the organization. Uh, it sounds like they really do have confidence in him uh, to hit lefties. <laughs> we'll see if he actually gets the opportunities, um, but but they're at least paying lip service to the idea that. Uh, that Marsh is more of an everyday guy. Yeah. So, so, John, in our text conversation, you threw out one and you said you'll be able to back it up. Now, what is your bold prediction for 2024 in your Philadelphia Phillies? All right. I want to preface this and say it's I'm actually making a bold prediction. I'm with the chat on you, Jamie. I don't know about <laughs> is, is that what I, this, <laughs> this whole thing was about making bold predictions? I, I thought we were just saying stuff. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, I've never heard I, Jose Alvarado is like one of those guys. I just think he's going to get his national respect more this year. I think the Phillies might play 81 home games at Citizens Bank Park this year. <laughs> <laughs> they I'm might bold. wear pinstripe uniforms. <laughs> oh, wait, no, they won't. They're playing in London. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Does that count as a home game? I don't know. So you're wrong. Uh, what an idiot. <laughs> this guy doesn't I mean, even know baseball. I do. I do think Alvarado has already established himself um, as one of the, the premier high leverage relievers in the game. Um, you know, as, as far as whether he can can take control 
of some sort of closer role. You know, the, the Phillies say that, you know, they're more about mixing and matching. Anybody can pitch the ninth. But when somebody steps up and takes it, sort of like Kimbrell did in the first half of the season, uh, of course that's better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, like, the mix and match, if you have Kimbrell before, you know, he sort of went off the rails. Yeah. All right, I get the coward award today. Coward it's fine. MBD in the chat has a good one here. Christopher Sanchez, top 40 statistical starting pitcher in Major League Baseball. That is bold and beautiful. So 40 is, it feels like you go, no way. Like there's 30 teams and I don't know. five we're, starters. And we're going to look at the Cy Young odds. It, it's not like the, the, the prettiest list I've ever seen in my life. It's not out of the realm of possibility when you go the entirety of Major League Baseball and you think of some of the teams, whether they've got either vets who stink or young guys who maybe haven't gotten good yet and maybe a combination of the two if you're like, you know, the, the Nomad A's or, you know, pick a team in the, the AL Central that's apparently not the Royals and Tigers anymore. Like, the Twins still clearly have good pitching. So maybe that was an unfair statement. But if you look around the league, there's a lot of bad pitching. There's yes. a lot mm-hmm. of really, really bad pitching. And maybe 40 doesn't fall outside of the realm of unfair, after all. Like, you just immediately think that seems high of a jump to take. Not really. But maybe it's not. He was great this year. I like that one, MB. Yeah, Even though I'm a coward and you pointed it out, that's, that's a good one. You understood the assignment. I mean, at a certain point, Christopher Sanchez does just have to start getting more respect. You know, it, the numbers are there and they continue to be there and they continue to be there. You know, we'll, we'll see if they let him pitch deeper in the games than they did last season. Um, there's I hope so, because he earned it. Apprehension there. Yeah, exactly. He earned it. He at least earned a, a shot yeah. at it. All right, John, um, let's hear yours. All right, so... Here we go. I'm going to go with at least 100 wins for your Philadelphia Phillies wow. in 2024. It's Something they've it. done, John, in our lifetime, what, once? One Most. time in my lifetime. Yeah, I think. That, yeah, I, I think maybe some of those teams in the late 70s hit 100. And then, of course, the, the record is 102 in, in 2011. Uh, but but here's, here's how I got there. If you look at uh, from June 3rd on, which is fairly early in the season sure from from june 3rd on they would they went 65 and 40 this is after bottoming out at 25 and 32 65 and 40 after june 3rd that's that's already a 100 win pace so they they played at 101 pace for most of the season i think they were third in baseball during that time period till the end of the year only behind the braves and dodgers Right, right. I, I think that's accurate. And then you, you factor in that, okay, Harper returned sure. prior to that June 3rd date. He was, he was back in May, but he wasn't really himself yet, at least, at least with the power. Uh, he returned on May 2nd, uh, but then in June, no home runs. July, two home runs. And then he finally got back to being himself, 10 home runs in August. So you had less of Bryce Harper than than I think that if then a lot of people might imagine um, with him having such an, an early return. I don't think you had the real Bryce Harper until August. So if you have that Bryce Harper for a full season, uh, Trey Turner also, you know, and the the ovation was I think August fourth. So until August fourth, he didn't really heat up. So again, we're going back to June third. From June third on, they played at 100 win pace. And Harper and Turner weren't really themselves until August. Yeah. 
you look at that and you're like, also you th- you got to think you're you're probably the odds are you get a better season out of Aaron Nola than he did. I was just going to say, I, I think that's totally fair to expect a better season out of Aaron yeah. Nola. So, yeah, so over, over the course of the last five full seasons, so take 20, was it 2020? Did you look was, up how many teams have done this? What's that, win 100 games? Yeah. So over the course of the last five full seasons, if you take out 2020, it's gone three, four, three, four, three. Okay. So last year there okay. were three teams that won 100-plus games. Um so, it, I'm, so my, my question, I guess, if, if you don't mind, yeah, um, to just ask both of you guys, if there's projected about three or four 100-win teams, which of these 100-win teams doesn't win 100 next year? The Dodgers, the Braves, or the Baltimore Orioles? I would probably say the Orioles. They're the three that won 100-plus games last year. I'd probably say the Orioles. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think all of them can do it again and maybe uh this this year's a little bit of an anomaly and you have sort of an extra team <laughs> over 100 um you know you, you do got to think the dodgers and the braves are going to win 100 games yeah. um you know the orioles a little less proven um you know great great baseball team but they don't feel it's hard to like repeat as such a young team too exactly um, so I, I picked the O's if I had to pick one of those three, but I, still, I, th- I think it's entirely possible that they, they all do it again. So the, and, the, uh, the, the, next, them. the next team that won the, the fourth most games was Tampa. They won 99. So Tampa, Toronto. And if Wander Franco wasn't a Crete, they probably, you know, may, maybe Houston, maybe Texas. Two. Those are like your 90 plus win teams from a season ago in the American League. I, a hundred's a lot. So I just, I <laughs> that's just like that's all I keep coming back to. It's so many wins for a team that has clearly proven that they're a much better postseason team than they are a 162 game team. Mm. I, if you said 95, I like that, that gap between 95 and 100 feels a lot to me. It feels a lot, but again, you look at it, and granted, I'm I'm looking at okay, everything that went right last season goes right again, and on top of it, <laughs> you you mix in this, these extras. Some things might just go wrong. You could have injuries. Who knows? Um, but the talent, I think the talent is there. I, yeah. I think, you know, if it wasn't for these slow stars the past couple seasons, um, I think the yes, they they have demonstrated so far that they're better in a short in a short series but you look at their their rotation they have they have five quality starters that's the the type of thing that can set you up to really go on some on some big runs um and i can see it happen and then uh one final note on that is just because the braves will also be winning so many games if the phillies are sort of off the charts and And knock them down a couple yeah, it might knock that, them down a couple, but the competition would would keep things going right through the very end of the season. Where, uh, whereas a lot of times teams might be up in the high 90s, and then they start setting up the rotation because you know they've they've got first place locked down. I, I don't think that would happen for the Phillies. I think the Braves would be right there, and they'd have to play uh, play everything out right through to the end. Yeah, that's why I, I picked the Orioles for that same reason because I think the AL East is not going to be as bad as it was last year. The Yankees have already improved. You would think the Red Sox are eventually going to do something, but who knows? And, and I hate to say it because they're they're a young group for the most part. This almost feels like a make or break season for the Blue Jays. Yeah, because and the Blue Jays should be better. They've had this core too. together for a while. The Vlad Guerrero, Bo Bichette, um, uh, Kevin Biggio group with you know, and they added Springer, di- different levels like, of success, yeah. right? And and Springer was added. I think that 
maybe it's unfair because the guys are like 24, 25, 23, but it feels like one of those, you're starting to think about things season if things don't go their way. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I, I, uh, I wish, I wish Otani had been on that jet. So I think John Foley wins the bold take award of the of the I day think so. because yeah, M- yeah. as MBD uh, points out, I had looked it up. Also, the Phillies have only done this three times since 1886. They did it yeah. in 1976. They did it in 1977 back to back. And then, of course, they did it in 2011. Uh, so it is certainly no easy feat. Uh, but also the Phillies historically are one of the worst organizations in sports. So <laughs> let's hope let's hope it's uh, it's obtainable because I think yeah. to your point, John, the talent is certainly there. And you had so many guys with, quote unquote, down years last year that, that you should elevate to potentially that level. But I, I, I would agree like 95, 96 would be a, yeah. a huge win I mean, for me. If they can get to 100, then you're really cooking. I mean, look at look at where we are, though, right? Like. The goal used to be 81 wins, <laughs> and then it, then it was going to get to like 88 and and steal a wild card. Now we're talking about, you know, are they going to be in the 90s? Can they get to 100? They may or may not do it, but it's uh, it's it's a great feeling to know they have the talent that it's even in the realm of possibility. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was a fun discussion, John. So, uh, you know, we appreciate you hopping on. You can always check out John on Twitter at 2008 fills with a Z. Uh, he'll be writing on our website, allphly.com. So make sure you're checking out his stuff and following along. Uh, John, from all of us here, have a great new year's and, uh, we will talk to you next week. Same to you. Take care guys. All right. See you, John. That was a that was a fun discussion. John yeah. definitely won the boldest. I won yeah. the coward award. I think it's certainly and, a and bold yours statement. was like bold yet realistic. Attainable, I think Obtainable. is is, yes. is a word that I would use for that. I I I hate to say what I'm about to say. Ooh, spicy. Um, the Phillies are they're they're say a, with your chest. I find it very difficult to assume that they're going to get close to... Like, you were saying the 95-96 range. That would be huge. I don't even think it gets to that. Like, they're just... What did they finish last year with? They finished with 90. 90? They were 90 and okay. 72. I think that that's about where they sit. They're 89 to 91. Um, they're going to make the playoffs because the NL is terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I think that... The Cubs will be improved. I think that the, well, well even, will they? Even I don't know. They've not done anything. I just <laughs> yeah. assume by a natural, you know, some semblance of a, a step forward. They you would. would. Think. I think the Reds are going to be improved. I think Milwaukee takes a step back. I think the Cardinals are going to be better than they were. Like that was just a dumpster fire year for them. Yeah, I mean they got what four new starting pitchers. Yeah, I mean so. unless they're unless they're uh, unless their games all start at like nine o'clock at night where it's past their starting pitchers' bedtimes. Um, I think that the NL is is winnable is there for the taking for like four teams because I think there's a lot of good teams. I think there's a handful of, I think, let me rephrase that. I think there's a lot of uh, average teams. There's a handful of dumpster fire teams and then there's a handful of really good teams. Yeah. And I think the Phillies are at the bottom of the really, of good, the teams. really good team. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, the other thing I agree with is telling you all about wheelhouse cards because it is awesome. They have two locations in Wayne and Westchester, and they are our go-to sports card gift and apparel shop in the Delaware Valley. Their motto is cards and community because a love of sports unites us all. That's why we're all here in the chat. Eugene Krabs, I saw your comments about the Phillies win totals 
and other years, but that community brings us all together. And they have tons of your favorite cards, like Topps Chrome Baseball, Mosaic Football, as well as a lot of uh, gifts and apparel and T-shirts, hats, hoodies from brands like Mitchell and Ness, 47 Brand, Junk Food, Starter, and of course, Shy Vintage Sports. And if you're looking to have your sports card collection graded, well, Wheelhouse offers PSA grading submissions. They also have a ton of different family-friendly events and birthday parties every single month. So stop into either of those stores in Wayne or Westchester. Maybe you got some holiday money that's burning a hole in your pocket. They're open seven days a week for you at 11 a.m. Use that code PHLY to get $10 off any purchase of $25 or more in-store. And be sure to give them a follow on Instagram, at Wheelhouse Cards. I follow them. It's a very fun follow. Uh, and let me also tell you that when I went to my Christmas party, I had it's a Philly thing, Eagles ugly sweater on. Yeah, we. I think we used that phrase unfairly with that sweater. It's not ugly. It's but a really it's, nice it's, sweater. It's kind of done in the ugly Christmas sweater right. fashion. And I was getting asked by everybody at the party, where'd you get that? Where'd you get that? And I was like, dude, FOCO. Mm -hmm. You got to go to FOCO. And again, use that code PHLY with your purchases because FOCO is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparels. I was wearing my friendship bracelets during Red October, accessories, toys. I know our, our own Mickey Durkin has bought a bunch of bobbleheads from them because he's a bobblehead fiend. It's the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms uh, because, you know, football and tailgating season is winding down. They got everything you need, you know, you know hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, overalls, everything you need and they've hooked us up and provided awesome pieces for our sets which you see here behind us on the shelves and all over our offices foco always has your back for philly sports and they have yours too get the best gear around by using the link in our description for all non-presale items use the promo code phly10 for 10 percent off foco is awesome so make sure you're supporting them uh, in your merchandising needs now to the uh, thumbnail of our show today. Uh, I just saw it this morning. John Heyman. Now, John Heyman uh, more or less is a Scott Boris puppet. Mouthpiece. Yes, yeah, a, a mouthpiece. So. so you do have to take everything he says with a grain of salt because he likes to throw a lot of stuff at the wall and eventually something sticks. He is good. I'm not trying to totally discredit him, but he does throw a lot out there. Sure. Um, and it's probably all coming from Scott Boris. I would Most say a lot of it, yeah. <laughs> Most of it. Uh, and Scott, Fair or unfair, yeah. you're probably correct. Yeah. Uh, so the thing that came out most recently from Heyman's piece on the New York Post was that the Phillies are still in on starting pitching, namely Jordan Montgomery and Blake Snell. Uh, do I think it's realistic? Probably not, because most of the local people that we trust and read are saying the Zach Wheeler extension is the number one priority. Right. I would think they have that stacked above Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery. But if there's a way where you can manage both of them, I I totally could see the Phillies being in on one of these guys because of what you just said. They're at that bottom of the super good teams in the NL, yeah. and the Dodgers and Braves are super teams, and they're nasty. And you are at a chance now where you're on their heels. Something like that could kind of put you ahead or even to uh, with them. So from that standpoint and John Middleton wanting his damn trophy back and this being, you know, like a two or three year win now window, I, I think there's I think there's some truth to it. So I think that there's truth to them 
looking into another starting pitcher because we talked about how, you know, it, the the offer to Yamamoto was never going to be no. the top offer. But I think that there is some value into them looking into the starting pitching market. I I don't know if I buy into the value of them spending big money. Well, it depends what the, the starting what the deal market. is. The later that some of these guys sit around, I would imagine it the increases cheaper, the Phillies' chances. The cheaper I the market gets, sure. I, I would think. Unless like, so the only thing that would change would be if like Blake Snell signed in late January. For a seven bazillion dollars, and everybody went, "Oh my goodness, this market is entirely shifted." Mm-hmm. Because the longer that these guys sit around, the the cheaper that the contract gets. Um, I don't think that the one thing I will say though, I don't believe that the Zach Wheeler extension and signing another pitcher are in the same pool of money. But it's the pool of money to sign another pitcher is much more shallow than the pool of money to re-sign Zach Wheeler. Yes, agreed. Uh, and as Dave P says in the chat, you know, super teams guarantee nothing. Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the Dodgers are guaranteed jack shit this year. Um, but, like, it's just money, you know? And if John Middleton... Yeah, you can say that. Yeah, I mean... If You're not they, the one taking your, your wallet out and... <laughs> none of us here have swi- to... Swiping your credit yeah, card. none of us here have to Venmo <laughs> out to, uh, to Mr. Middleton to go get Blake Snell. Now, Blake Snell is an interesting one because... It's not very often, Tyler, that you see a two-time Cy Young winner. I think only the second pitcher to do it in both leagues? Uh, seventh. Seventh. I was yeah. way off. I'm an idiot. I think it was seven. The red wine is melting my brain this week. Um, you're probably right. Two sounds ridiculous now that I say it out loud. Uh, but Blake Snell, two-time Cy Young winner. Exceptional in those Cy Young years. Really pretty good most of the time. Had a stinker or two of a season. He's talked about an MBD, uh, I know is going to go off in the chat here. Mm-hmm. He is anti-Snell. Now, you, this morning when we were discussing this, you went to the baseballpornhubreference.com <laughs> uh, and deep dove his stats to try and find out why people dislike Blake Snell so yeah. much. Uh, age 31, mm-hmm. you know, might not get the money he once thought he was, uh, but he was clearly like third or fourth on this starting pitcher uh, you know, checklist, I guess you'd call it for this offseason. What did you find in your deep dive that, yeah, so I that think, led to this reputation? I think the easy thing to say is the walk rate's too high, right? 99 walks led the league in baseball last year, despite the fact that he only threw like 180, I say only, like 180 innings. It's a lot of innings, yeah. but it's not. I think people still look at the 200 threshold as like, wow, you threw 200 innings. That's a, that's a workhorse. So I think the 99 walks is the easy one to turn to and say, yeah, you know, the command problem is there. I think the deeper dive just into last season, we can talk about the fact that he's missed a lot of time over the course of the last, you know, four or five years, the COVID year withstanding. Um, the deeper dive is what is uh, heralded as the stranded base runner percentage, you know, left on base percentage. And Anybody over 75% means that they've stranded 75% of their inherited runners, which you would think about as a good thing. You would look at it and say, okay, this guy's working out of danger. Mm -hmm. If he gives up a base runner, he's not rattled. He's not the guy that allows one hit to spiral spiral into four base runners. Which you can make the case Nola has a tendency to do. Nola has a problem with it. Yeah. The one thing with with Blake Snell last year was he was at 86.7%, which means that he basically never gave up inherited runs 
or, or runners that he, you know, I shouldn't say inherited because that is a different connotation. Um, the runners that he allowed to get on base, he stranded almost 87% of them, which again, theoretically seems really, really good. But when you have a guy whose walk rate is as high as his is, and you're stranding 87% of the runners, I think a lot of people go, playing with fire. when does the luck run out? Sure. And so I think between that, his slim build, his injury history, and the fact that I think the moment that his velocity dips, he's going to be cooked. Sure. Worries people for a long-term deal. So I, I threw out this number to you. Let's say Snell, and a, a lot of comments, Snell is just a, a polarizing figure here in the chat. A yeah, lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I threw this number out to you because I, I would have hesitancy throwing a five- or six-year deal at him at age 31 right. because of what you just said. When the velocity goes, uh, does his whole game go? Uh, if I were, you know, if he's sitting around late January and a three-year, $85 million deal gets it done and it doesn't prohibit you from a Wheeler extension... Uh, are you dabbling in those waters? The shorter the term length of the deal, the more excited Let's I Let's say three, because I doubt he's going to ever yeah, take less than that. I think I would... Three is probably the most I would do. Um, and MBD makes a good point. His um, his BABIP was at like 250-something, 256. Um, the average BABIP for a, a pitcher is about 300. Um, and basically what that's saying is when the ball is hit in play... You know, like it eliminates strikeouts and walks and things like sure. that from from the conversation. If the average is three hundred and his was two fifty six, it means it probably is going to come back. It it will it likely will regress. Like yeah. it's not going to be if he his is a two fifty six and that means and then next year he gets to two seventy or two eighty. Even if he's below league average, that means he's going to be giving up more hits. And if he's walking the amount of guys that he's walked. Even with the strikeout rate being off the charts at 230, yeah. he's probably in for a regression season. Yeah. Uh, Eugene Krabs with a, with a zinger. He said, Snell looks like a dude who books a meeting at 4 p.m. on a Friday. Yeah, I ain't showing he, up. <laughs> he totally does look like that dude. Uh, there's something about his face I just hate. It's the mustache. Or the, the, the bad mustache beard combo. Yeah, I think it's, it's the skinny face with the, the weird facial hair combo. You know, but like, this isn't a... If if it was three years, eighty five million, I'm doing it. I think so. I mean, we talked about bad contracts. Me and Renee did the other day. Like Lance Lynn got, I think, ten and some change for a season. Lance Lynn stinks. Yeah. And the thing with Lance Lynn too, not only does he stink at this point, he throws one pitch. Now he throws. He's like Bartolo Colon at this point. Big sexy. But the control out. is not as good as what Bartolo Colon's was. Like, yeah. You, you could tell even at 40 when he was throwing 85 and it looked like meatballs. It's like, all right, his two-seam has break. He's throwing sinker, cutter, fastball, two-seam. And his control was still really good. So if Lance Lynn gets 11, let's say. Three for 85 is about 27. 27. It's not a fair comparison because, A, it's a one-year deal, and, B, it's sure. a lot more money. But it just puts it into perspective, like, Pitchers make more money than they should. Yes. I mean, does Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer deserve $43 million at this point in their career? No, no. they don't. Um, pitchers are always overpaid. But if there's a opportunity, like, is Blake Snell better? Like, the way I would view it, because I don't give a damn about the, the Phillies' money, right. is that he's not Taiwan Walker, and he's better He's better than Taiwan Walker and Christopher Sanchez. Um, I mean, he, he's... Probably, Probably better, better than, than Ranger, Ranger Suarez. Suarez, too. 
Not when it comes to postseason time, though, because Ranger well, Suarez Ranger's is, been incredible in the postseason. He's right. got those big old balls <laughs> that he just trots out every October and he becomes unhittable. But he becomes, I mean, if you have a Wheeler, Snell, and Nola top three, that's horrifying in, sure. a, play, in a playoff series. Yeah, and even if there is a regression, like let's say maybe he's closer to the 3-4 he posted in 2022 or the 3-3 three, three he posted in 2020, you know, over the course of 11 starts. I don't think he's going to be for too bad no. like he was in 2021. If you, you're probably not going to get 32 starts from him. That was, a, that was a, an anomaly last yes. season. You're probably getting 25. So you have his run. What's his rundown? Just yeah, through. So 19, 19, 24, 31, 23, COVID year 11, 27, 24, 32. So he averages. So he, th- he started 191 games over the course of seven full and an eighth season. Okay. Uh, so interesting, you know, uh, Jordan Montgomery would interest me a little bit less. It seems like the Yankees are big on Jordan Montgomery, um, as they're kind of pushing in to be the super team now also. So we'll see what happens, but the fact that Heyman threw it out there, yeah, it's, you know, Dave Dombrowski doesn't rest on his laurels. Like he's always, he's got a little bit of that Howie Roseman gene always shopping. where he's always shopping. He's always making phone calls. So the fact that they are discussing things with both of those agents, you got to know what the value is on the open market. So it's always good to inform yourself and stay in the game. Speaking of, of Dave Dombrowski and, and kind of always open to different opportunities, uh, Stephen Garrison, uh, Julie, if you don't mind scrolling up just a little bit, asked a really good question on a guy that I'm super intrigued on. Asked about the, the low-risk, high reward of Brandon Woodruff. Ooh. So he had so- shoulder surgery. He's not going to pitch. But I he, don't think he pitches at all. I think he's got two years, or is he? He's got two years left on his deal. No, he's a free agent. Oh, is he? Oh, he is. Yeah, a that's free why agent. nobody. That's why he got okay. let go from. I, I think oh, that I'm I think confusing with Burns. All right. uh, Burns has, has one a, year. One year. Yes. I think. Um, yeah, the but, Brewers have to decide if they're going to sell. Correct. On that, um, the Burns. But from. Woodruff is super intriguing because the numbers awesome. over the last couple of years have been really, really good. He's and, like one of those low key, sneaky, great pitchers. Sure, three three point one ERA over the course of his career, and, and that, that beats you know Snell in a lot of seasons. Started eleven games last year, got hurt, needs the shoulder surgery. Isn't likely is not going to pitch at all in twenty twenty four. I'd be super stunned if he does. Um, yeah, so I you're going to have to like sign him. September is like absolute best right. case scenario. So you're going to have to sign him to a two year deal with like, yeah, year. you're just eating money for a season, hoping that year two is, and maybe you, maybe because he's hurt, you can get away with a three year deal with a team option in year three yeah. where it's like, all right, we're going to give you, we're going to trust you, pay the money in year one. Let's see what you can do when you take the mound again in year two, year three, we'll reevaluate. Yeah. Super intriguing, even though he's not going to pitch next year. It is, and and few teams that are truly competing can can afford to do that. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it, that I haven't thought much about him because he's not going to pitch this year, but that is a very intriguing name. And I think you're going to have, if they were to find a way to sign a guy like that, you're going to get the immediate, that's a great signing, and then people go, okay, he's not pitching. Yeah. And then you're going to put him on the back burner, and you're going to forget about him for a year, and then the... Wheeler and then this extends. time next year when we're doing the show, we're going to be like, holy shit, the Phillies got yeah. Wheeler, Nolan, Woodruff, right. and, then and Rangers, Rangers are fourth. fourth. Like, you're going to go, whoa, whoa, yeah, whoa. Yeah, yeah. We're cooking yeah. with gas here now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Assuming Woodruff can come back. It's I a wonder big what if, kind but. of deal that translates to since he's not pitching this year. Like, you do have to pay him something because he'll get offers for a little bit this year. Right. But, like, does that do a two-year team option third year for... You know, probably like I don't even for fifteen, 15? like fifteen in the third year. Like it's the biggest number in year three. Yeah, 
Do you think it would be that low? Per, for the one year? I'm saying for the one year. For the first year. No, the first year would probably be like a... Seven or eight. A seven or eight. Year two probably bumps to ten. I would think you'd have to go it's higher. It's got to be more than that. I would think you'd have to go 15 for year two and like 20, 20 for, for year, year three. three. Right. So you're looking at roughly... 40-something million. Three close years, to 45. 50. Three or 45. Three, 45, 350. I would, I yeah, would, screw it. Go, go it. spend some money, John Middleton. It's funny, you know, like being off for the past week and just being on Twitter and listening to radio and like... Uh, there's been a lot of Phillies comment. Like the perception is out there that the Phillies are having this horrible off season because they haven't done anything and they're just going to run it back with the same team. And a lot of people are, I think started to get irritated by it. And I, I do get it, but I also think there's a bullpen or outfield move coming. I think the way that the season ended last year, people are very discontent with running it back. Yes. And to a point, I understand where they're coming from, but I, I also, you've talked about it plenty. I don't know what big move you wanted, with the exception of like Adam a, Duvall a, would absolute be absolute home for run me. swing for Yamamoto, which would have come out of left field. Sure, I'm not quite sure which move you tech you, you like genuinely a believe could happen and b believe you want because the guys that are are left. You're not getting Cody Bellinger. No. You're not getting Matt Chapman. You're not getting no. like these like JD Martinez, like those type of, of hitters you're not getting. No. So it, do you want to focus on uh, an arm? And if so, who's the arm? I'd love Stevenson or Hicks. I think and that's the thing. I think people And people even are, Liam Hendricks, I saw Mickey mention earlier. I'd love to so take a shot an, on another him. guy that's not gonna pitch next year. So you're you're, ta- you're again you're giving it. I two thought to- he had a shot at like after the All Star break. I I don't think he's. I, I would be surprised if he pitched. I I don't think he's. Okay. I think because he had Tommy John. Oh right. So I just don't know when it was. And he's not Bryce Harper. He's not going to come. Yeah, back he's not on. robotic. <laughs> uh, but the point is, I think you're looking at a signing like you said, a Hicks Hicks or a Stevenson, a Duvall. I know the Jack Peterson. Duvall thing, would be on the high end. I know the of, Jack Peterson thing was weird, but that like was so weird. I don't even know if they're interested in a. I shouldn't say interested. If they're willing to go in the realm of like Jorge Soler and Teoscar Hernandez, like those type of players that are. I would love Teoscar personally. B level, yeah. I, uh, high strikeout yeah. rate, which is not. If you're looking to improve last year's playoff performance, you want a guy with a, a more solid contact rate than Teoscar. Not a, but. But he's got pop. Sure he does. And in Citizens Bank Park, like, and that's the other thing to consider in the Snell conversation. He's going from Petco to Citizens Bank Park. How does that weigh in sure. the conversation? But I think Tioscar could, if he's, you know, let's say, let's say they made the Tioscar move, which is probably unlikely. And Marsh becomes the everyday center fielder, Tioscar, your left fielder. He could probably hit 30 in this park. Yeah, I, I, I've been adamantly vocal about no on Teoscar Hernandez, yeah. no interest at all. High strike. But, but, I, but I get your point. Like, there's pop there. Sure. And, and this outfield really doesn't have a lot of pop. And I think, you know, that's one of the things that's just, like, kind of a bummer from a typically historically power group of players. Sure. And, and I think, too, this team has gotten, or this fan base has gotten to a point where over the last couple of years, you've gone Harper, Turner, Real Muto, Schwarber, Castellanos, Wheeler to, you know, back a little bit further. Mm-hmm. Like there's been big time signings over the last couple of years, and this has been a quieter offseason. We're driven by the search for better. 
But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It has. And, and so I think it has people up in arms. Yeah, it does. And Mickey Durkin says, bring Hoskins back. That's our, our man Vince's take. The only thing about bringing oh, Hoskins you. back is that means Kyle Schwarber has to play the field again. <laughs> I just threw up in my mouth. Sorry, I sorry podcast yeah, listeners. I, I literally just never want to see that ever again. Um, so, I, you know, you would think the Cubs are relying on him as their insurance policy. I think Heyman also said that they – they now think Bellinger is going to return there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're back in the mix for that. So, like, so you, you want to talk about quiet offseason. Cubs fans have a right. They haven't done anything. To be pissed off because they've done literally nothing. Not spent a dollar, not made a trade. Like, even Oakland did something. Well, I shouldn't. Can I still call them Oakland? Yeah, I don't know when you shift to Las Vegas. The, the wandering nomads? Yeah. <laughs> I feel so bad for <laughs> athletics fans. What do I call them? Yeah, I don't know. So MBD has a super chat. Welcome and thank you, MBD. He says they keep fire. Uh, they keep fire. Oh, flirting uh, with another starting pitcher. <laughs> Firing that would uh, words Yam- are hard. Yamamoto, the Heyman report we just talked about. Um, you know, basically, what is what do you have to do to make that happen? Do you have to trade Taiwan Walker? And I did see Mickey Durkin talking about that. Uh, Taiwan Walker is on, on average $18 million a year for three more years. Yep. That's not, it's not unmovable, especially if you eat some of the money. Um, and there is something to be said for Taiwan Walker being a regular season arm that gets you through a long season. And it's just one of those back of the rotation guys. Did they overpay for him when you compare it to like Lucas Giolito's and, and some of the guys the Rangers got? Yeah, absolutely they did. Uh, can you get out of it? Yeah, but it's going to be tricky. But if you were to bring in, say, a Blake Snell or a Jordan Montgomery, you'd absolutely, ha- I think, have to get rid of Taiwan Walker. So somehow. I think the overpay with the contract comes with, I'm looking at some of the names that have signed over the last couple of weeks. Um, and, and two names specifically s- stick out to me was Seth Lugo signed a three-year $45 million deal Ooh. in Kansas City, which was a big signing for Kansas City. Um, I think that Seth Lugo is, you know, he's a little bit of both. Like, he's pitched out of the bullpen. He has pitched as he started, you know, he was a starter with the Mets. He then became a bullpen guy. Um, started 26 games for the uh, the Padres last year and posted a 3-5 ERA. So it shows, shows that he can, you know, throw innings. And, and give you something. Now, granted, the innings were not the same as what Taiwan Walker pitched because he only threw 146 innings. But, like, Seth Lugo got 15 mil a year. And then Kenta Maeda, I know he's 35, about to be 36, but he, got, he got 12 million a year from the Tigers. Who, if you said to me, Tyler, would you rather have Kenta Maeda or 
um, Taiwan, Taiwan Walker. Walker. It's Maeda. Kenta Maeda every day of the week. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, another super chat from Vince. He says, Hoskins over Teoscar. Put Harper in left field. Um, I mean, from... Vince really loves uh, what I'm learning. He loves the idea of of Hoskins returning. Yes. And I think there is something to it because of like the clubhouse nature and how much he was loved here and yada, 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 the continuity and chemistry and blah, blah, blah. But it just means that you're putting in a below, way below average unless Harper is going to play left field. I don't, I don't see where it works because you shifted in this offseason and Harper Look, I think Harper said he wanted to play first base. I don't yeah, think, I think, that, he, I think, I don't think this is the Phillies too. being like, hey, you should play first. Right. I think Harper said, this is probably good for the long haul of my career, moving to first. I really enjoyed it. I was more in on the action, yada, yada, yada. The Phillies fall on the sword and say, oh, yep. this is what we want. So I don't think all of a sudden now you're going to say you're in left field. And if you're not doing that, that means Kyle Schwarber. Schwarber. No, you, play left you have not. If you backtrack on your word at this point, you have not only disgruntled Bryce Harper, but you have, I think, objectively made your team defensively worse. Now, granted, Reese Hoskins getting every day at bats again, like that was a, a, a there was pop that you were missing this season. That, Absolutely, that was that was definitively noticeable, noticeable and it, by and his, it staggered the lefty righty thing right. like perfectly. But I think you get definitively worse defensively. Absolutely, because. Harper, to me, at this point in his career, I think is on the track to be a better defensive first baseman than he ever was a defensive outfielder. Absolutely. And Reese Hoskins is a traffic cone. Yes. I mean, Harper, at best, is an average outfielder. Yes. At best. Yeah, he's aggressive. He's smart. He works hard. He's a good athlete. Those things get you to a point where you're not bad. Yeah, sure. You're just you're but, average. you know, I... I I don't expect anything further than he's better than about a zero <laughs> defensive war. Yes, but when you saw him go to first base, you went, "Oh, this is like what he was meant to do." Like he was right away game one better than Reese Hoskins at first Correct. base. So it was just like I think this is the best for the long haul. And not to mention Harper wants a contract renegotiation or extension. Uh, so do you really want to play with fire with his kind of mental well being and status with the team? Not really. No, I don't want to. I don't want to mess with any kind of uh, no calm that they have. No, not at all. Um, so you know, there, God, time flies, doesn't it? Sure Tyler? does. <laughs> well, these two seam heads just having a nerdy yeah, baseball discussion, here. and we lost like track of like this whole draft we were going to do today. Yeah, well, there's a lot of stuff we still have to get into. But uh, listen, if if uh, if you want to hang out with me and Jamie, <laughs> use the Game Time app. We'll hang out with you at a Phil's game this upcoming Absolutely. season. Absolutely, uh, because. The Game Time app allows you to see your seat before you buy your seat. And I was telling this story the other day, Jamie, about how me and a couple of my friends went to a, uh, a concert out in Reading a couple, uh, couple weeks ago, right, right after Thanksgiving. And uh, we bought these seats thinking that they were awesome because they were like lower level. It was at the Reading Hockey Arena. You know, you know yeah, what I'm yeah, talking yeah. about? It was like lower level. We thought these seats were great. And we get there and we realized we're basically directly behind the control board. So we You're had like, oh, this is why the so, tickets were so affordable. So we got these tickets because we thought that we just thought row and number and they sounded great. And like, listen, the concert was a blast and we had to stand the whole time and we, we made it work. But if we would have used the game time app, we wouldn't have had to worry about that mm-hmm. because we would have seen where our seat description 
was because we were able to buy our tickets with that picture. It shouldn't be stressful. Game time makes it fast and easy. You cannot just buy for Phillies games like we talked about with sports. You can buy music, comedy, theater near you. And of course, they have last minute killer deals with the best price guaranteed so you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have because they have flash deals they have last minute deals easy to buy tickets and the lowest price guaranteed they'll also give you event cancellation protection job loss protection etc etc because they are the best and if you're a first-time user go to game time download the app and use the code phly for twenty dollars off your first purchase today. The Game Time app, I cannot recommend it enough. And while we're here, let me tell you about another one of our favorite sponsors because mm. I just got turned on I to just these got guys hungry. at Reading Terminal. Yeah. And it's Bagel & Co. Because, listen, you understand there's certain foods that are good in certain parts of the country, mm. and Jersey and New York kind of have a market on bagels. Yeah, we're, well, taking, we're taking that back. Not anymore because Bagel & Co. is the best bagel around. You don't have to go off the Jersey Turnpike. You don't have to get on 95. And you don't have to go all the way to the city like John did when it was crowded because it's the holiday time and everybody thinks they need to be in New York. And uh, John said the crowds were pretty rough. You can stay local and get a Brooklyn-style bagel made in Philly. These bagels are the best in Philly. They're large. That's why they call them the Brooklyn-style, you know, New York-style bagel. And they have up to 30 different varieties of cream cheese on top of the fact that they've got 15 to 20 different types of bagels and of course they've got bagels for all occasions i know the holiday season is uh, starting to get away from us but they do have christmas flavored bagels and other holiday bagels as well and how about this they have team specific bagels as well if you remember back during the playoff run they had phillies bagels they've got eagles cream cheese they're going to do a sixers cream cheese later in the the sixers season and who knows maybe with the flyers being as good as they are there's a cup run coming right i think they got to start figuring something out uh, so, in an affordable brand, a lot cheaper than those Jersey bagels you're going to get up in Jersey and New York. So, for the best Brooklyn-style bagel made right here in Philly, go to www.thebagelsandco.com backslash store locator to find the closest bagel and co near you today. All right. So, one of the things we're going to do today that we're not going to be able to get to, I think that we'll save it for uh, maybe Tuesday's show. Is that... Because we're off New Year's Day. So yes, Tuesday we'll, show. We'll all be back together on Tuesday. Yeah, we're going to do a little bit of a draft of the, the top remaining free agents. But, uh, you know, we went down a, a baseball rabbit hole as we did. Did you expect do. anything less when no, you and I got together not. to do a show? Of course and not. And with John on. Yeah, just no, that three, was fun. It's just three dudes being bros. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I mentioned it in passing, and the chat's kind of run away with it. Uh, Wander Franco, for uh, those that didn't see the, the story, apparently both of his homes were raided in the Dominican over the week uh, this past week. Uh, they're searching for him because there's a warrant out for him, and he is apparently on the run from all the reports I'm seeing. Uh, if you're unaware, it was uh, sexual relations with a minor, uh, really creepy and horrible story. And, uh, you know, one of the top prospects in all of baseball uh, for the past, you know, basically two or three years. Well, he's, he's passed a prospect now, but he was the top prospect in so, baseball. So it could be a great career, uh, you know, extinguished before it even can, can I chance. Can I ask one thing of, of media outlets and sports outlets when a situation like this happens? I don't give a damn about a player's stats when something like this yeah. I saw something the other day on ESPN, and they were talking about a, a, a criminal situation. I'm not going to dive into the details because it was it was pretty bad. Mm -hmm. um, 
And the the ticker they put up down the bottom said averages 21 points per game this season was expected to be a first round pick. I don't care. Oh, is this the way? I the don't il- care. The Illinois kid? The, yes, it was yeah. the Illinois kid. And I'm like, this is humanity. We're talking about human beings yeah, being affected for the rest of their life. And I don't I don't mean the player. I don't give a damn about the player. I'm talking about the 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 victims in this situation being affected for the rest of their lives. And like I don't care. 21 points per game. I don't care. Yeah, it's irrelevant. Stop putting stats up. It's so weird to me. It is weird. I I was sitting with my wife and I I pointed that out and she goes, that's gross. Like that's like, that's just like, it's disingenuous at this point. Like if you have a situation where you belong in jail for a long time, right? Your performance on the field is irrelevant. It means nothing. Yeah. It just means like all I know is that you're a bad person. Yeah, and it certainly seems like he's a bad person. So we'll see how that story comes to a conclusion. But we will do the remaining free agent draft next week. I saw another comment in there saying, you know, what about Bieber or uh, Classe? You know, I, I, I Emmanuel Classe, I saw the uh, kind of the rumors pick up a little bit over this past week about yeah. his trade market. I would love for them to go go out and do that and just load up on the bullpen. Jamie, I know we're, we're about to get out of here, and we could go down a rabbit hole in this one. I don't get the Guardians. I don't either. I, so they move Aaron Savali last year for nothing to the to the Rays, who are just perpetually getting good players. Um, they're looking at moving Bieber. They're looking at moving Classe. And I know that they're a small market team, and they don't want to spend a ton of money. makes no money, and he's under control for like four more his, years. His contract specifically is just What are crazy you doing? I don't Cleveland? understand it. They have four guys who could be, you know, everyday starting outfielders, yeah. and they're going to move one of them. And the one that they're, they probably should move, who's Miles Straw, is the one that they'll end up keeping. Like Stephen Kwan is on team team control for another like a billion years. Like yeah. Cleveland has a, a legitimate chance if they just kept the core together to See be that. very very good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'd love Class A if he if he does get on the block. You know, you have to wait. I I don't know if Montgomery and Snell are holding up the Bieber and. Uh, maybe Burns if Milwaukee decides to sell. I think they might be a little bit. Yeah, maybe those teams are on the fence because there is like Milwaukee has talent. Like, do you really want to sell Corbin Burns unless you're getting back some ready major league talent? Yeah. So the only guy that they seem to be wanting to spend money on is Jackson Trino, who's yeah. never played a major league game. Matt Cluntak special right there. I, it doesn't. I mean, listen, I think Trino is going to be a damn good baseball player. But it's weird to me that that's the only guy you're willing to spend your money on. Yeah. Uh, So there's a lot of stuff we still didn't get to, including uh, the NL Cy Young Awards or odds came out. So we'll get into that on Tuesday. Because as you said earlier, like I look at this list and I go, damn, NL pitching is really not that impressive overall. Maybe that's why MBD's you know, top 40 is not as far-fetched as my initial gut reaction. Was. No, it's probably not. So we'll dive into some of that on Tuesday. We'll do the remaining draft. Uh, and then, you know, January, we're going to start the down on the farm report where we start deep diving some of these prospects. Uh, we're going to do guess that batting stance. we got a lot in store for the new year. Uh, so I'm looking forward no to cheating, that. No cheating, I promise. No cheating. I'm holding, Renee, you, bo- I'm holding you both to a higher Renee, standard. if you're watching, no cheating. In this game. Uh, and there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, one thing you wanted to hit on before we got out of here uh, Andrelton Simmons retired yesterday. Yeah. And when you put this stat up in, a, in our show sheet about the defensive war seasonal marks over the last 30 years, it is. It's him. 
It's, it, it's it, he's he, th- three he of the him. five names. Now, when I was looking at this, so he had a 5.1 defensive war in 2017, a 4.3 in 2013, a 4.1 in 2015. The other two guys on in the top five are your boy, your boy Kiermaier, who had a 4.6 in 2015, and Darren Erstad had a 4.2 in 2002. Now, I saw this list, and I went, wow, Simmons really dominated this list. And then I started thinking about Johan Rojas. And is Johan Rojas a guy that can get into this discussion of defensive war, uh, you know, over the last 30 years? I absolutely think he can. So I know Andrelton Simmons had injury problems and it kind of derailed his career a little bit. And and you could tell like he he wasn't the same player towards the back end of the L.A. run. And then he was kind of jumping around teams a little bit. But in order for Rojas to be that guy, can he hit 250? Because here's Simmons' full season averages just when he was with Atlanta in his first couple years in L.A. 248, 244, 265. He got up to 281, 278, and then he had a really good offensive year. He hit 292 in his uh, third full season in L.A. This guy, he, he, the fact that he only won four gold gloves is kind of amazing. It kind of is, yeah. Because he is one of the best defensive... He, like, I tweeted the other day, he's a wizard with the yeah. glove. He's one of the best defensive players I've ever seen. If Rojas, I know it's two entirely different positions, but if Rojas can hit 250. I think he absolutely can be a four plus. That's your everyday board. defensive stud. Yeah. So uh, shout out to Simmons on a, on a pretty good career. Unfortunately derailed. Now I was going to hit you with one piece of trivia as we're signing okay. off here. This is from Todd Zalecki's uh, morning newsletter. Uh, Tyler, I ask you, who has the most walk-off hits in Philly's history? The four options, Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard, Michael Jack Schmidt, and Del Ennis. So my guess is not on there. So I was going to guess Jason Worth, and I don't, wow. I don't think I think that's he correct. does have like nine or ten. He was up there. Which is close to the second place guy who has uh, 12 walk-offs. So this, this says to me, like you have these names, and you immediately go, well... I know the least about Del Ennis. Just sure. because yeah, of yeah, yeah. when he played. Uh-huh. It makes you go, this is a trick question. It's going to be Del Ennis. But, and then Ryan Howard and Jimmy Rollins were also very clutch. Right. I, I think I'm going to go with J-Roll as my final answer. But it wouldn't shock me if the answer ends up being Ennis. The answer is the obvious one. The Hall of really? Famer, That's, the greatest it was third base. It was so obvious. Michael Jack Schmidt. Uh, and this was courtesy of uh, Todd Zalecki, has 15 walk-off hits, wow. including a franchise record 10 walk-off home runs. Ryan Howard is second on the list with 12 walk-off hits. So I thought that was a fun little piece well, of trivia from two, Todd. Two of the ones that mattered the most came off of the same arm and the same bat. So <laughs> Jimmy Rollins off Jonathan Broxton will be, uh, will be remembered forever. Yes, it certainly will. Uh, it was a lot of fun talking yeah, baseball cool. with you today. Uh, we will be back on Tuesday. I will be back here on Sunday for Eagles-Cardinals pre- and post-game with Bo and Zach. Monday is a, a company holiday here, so... To everybody in the chat, to everybody that checks out the show, uh, we appreciate you. We we hope you have a great, uh, healthy, happy, and awesome new year. And uh, don't do it. I'm not gonna. Don't do, do it. it. I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> I am not Renee. I am not gonna say what she always says, and you probably know. Uh, so I'm not gonna say it. But I hope everybody has a great New Year's. Uh, thanks to Julia for producing us today, and we will see you all next week here on the PHLY Phillies podcast. <laughs> Oh,
city like the mayor.